This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. What is there left to say about him? The man is a machine. A naturally gifted footballer, one of Europe's best and one of the world's best. A true gift to Manchester City and a pleasure to watch him play football. Of course, I'm speaking about the Barnsley Beckenbauer himself, Mr. John Stones. Stick around as we delve into City's 7-0 thumping of Leipzig in the Champions League. And yes, if you're wondering, there will be plenty of Erling Braut Haaland chat along the way. It's Wednesday the 15th of March. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Joe Ritchie. I'm Andrew Detmer. And this is the City Report podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United one, Manchester City six. It's two for Jekko. Tottenham Hotspur three, Manchester City four. They have made the impossible possible. Straight into it, chaps. There is so much to speak about. Uh, Joe, moment of the match. Quick, straight off the bat. Erling Holland knee slides. Not the goals, <laughs> the knee slides. Some of the cleanest knee slides. The second goal, I was watching the highlights before we hopped on here. The second goal, he has probably like a good 20-foot knee slide to the corner flag, salutes the crowd, basically saying ties over and then puts his hand like up on the corner flag like he's like commanding a ship. Mm. One of the smoothest, most elegant things I've seen from a guy who's kind of dorky and smooth at the same time. Mm. So that, uh, yeah, everything Erling Holland could be said, but I was a huge fan of the, the goal celebrations from him. Andrew, any up in that? <clears throat> Mine's got to be Kevin De Bruyne telling RB Leipzig to fuck all the way off back to Germany <laughs> by just burying a shot from outside the penalty box in the, what, 92nd, 93rd minute, just because 
six nil wasn't bad enough to beat them. It had to be seven. It, there was there was no need for that. There was absolutely no need. For that. <laughs> um, like, uh, uh, and it, it gave it gave off vibes of like when you're playing five aside or six aside or seven aside for that matter. Any sort of small sided football, and and you're playing against a team who are obviously so much better than you, and it's like you're losing by six seven goals, and then even in the last minute of the game, they're still pinging it about, and this fella's curling in literally <laughs> as De Bruyne did curling in worldies, and you're like, what's the point? Just stop it. Um, there needs to be like a, a mercy rule, I reckon, at that point in football because. Uh, I did feel a, a tiny, tiny bit of sympathy for the RB Leipzig players. Um, my moment of the match, the the snow. We had like four seasons of weather during that game, especially the first half. If if it wasn't entertaining enough on the pitch, it was certainly entertaining or cold enough off it. Um, let's let's get to the main attraction then, Joe. Erling Haaland. I've plucked out just some of the stats to wet wet the appetite a little. He's he's now City's all-time leading goal scorer for a single season, surpassing Tommy Johnson's record of 38, set in the 1920s. Erling Haaland has scored his fifth hat-trick of the season. He's now scored more Champions League hat-tricks than, listen to this, Wayne Rooney, Thierry Henry and Ronaldo Nazario, the, the OG Ronaldo. Um, he scored more goals in the Champions League than Wayne Rooney. He could not score. Oh, sorry. He could. He could not score another goal for the next sixty matches, and he'd still have done it before Wayne Rooney got to his tally, which was thirty goals in eighty-five games. Erling Haaland's got thirty-one in twenty-five Champions League matches, which is, I mean, that alone, thirty-one goals in twenty-five Champions League matches. He speaks so much about how he loves the competition, and that was on display uh, against RB Leipzig in the second leg, of course. It'd be easy for us to come on here, well, it'd be a bit shit of a podcast for us to come on here and say there's nothing left to say about him, but it'd be easy for us to say, you know, we've said everything there is to say. We're going to try and delve that uh, beyond that. We're going to try and peel the onion a little bit. One thing that struck me against Leipzig, Joe, was his, his, just his utter appetite to want to score goals. How many players would have got that hat-trick uh, uh, before half-time? Second half, they'd maybe looking to pass the ball about a little bit, and he did that fantastically. But in the box, it's just... It's scary. He's always, always on the move. Well, I always go back to what Pep says, and this predates Holland's involvement in the team of the best strikers, you know, the ball finds them. They they pop up in the right positions, and it's something that a manager can't teach a player. It's it's just instinctive, and it seems like of any striker that Pep's ever managed, Holland personifies that the most. He just, I was thinking about it earlier, like probably that Dortmund you know, karate kick goal aside, I don't see a scenario where Holland's going to be the type of player for city who gets a goal of the season in terms of Mm. something that's extravagant, but he always finds himself in these right positions. I mean, tonight he obviously had a perfect hat trick to start. And then he had two more where he kind of just pops up in the box and there's, there's still critical finishes. A a, a perfect hat trick to start. To start. It's like giving a ribeye steak just for your your appetite. (laughs) And then, you know, the other two, you know, fourth and fifth goals, because yes, he had five in the Champions League knockout, um, was really, again, just being in the right right place in the box and being a clinical finisher who's not satisfied with one goal, two goals, three goals. He always wants more, like you said. So to me, that's the biggest compliment that I think any of us should be able to give him is that he always wants to put himself in the best position to succeed both on and off the pitch. And tonight was just, uh, you know, that in a nutshell. I'm still like almost at a loss for words with what we watched tonight. 
I, I saw a great, I think it was Sam Lee on Twitter. Uh, it's one of them nights, obviously I was at the stadium, you two guys were watching from home, but it's one of them nights where you just want to consume as much online content as possible. And hopefully we're, we're sort of adding to that with this show. But I saw a tweet from Sam Lee amongst other people who did some fantastic sort of pointing stuff out, statistics, etc. But I think Sam Lee said, Haaland scored five goals. And not one of them was an official assist. Obviously, De Bruyne rattled the crossbar, which for me would... I'm, I'm As good as Haaland's goals were, I'm gutted that that didn't stand because that would have been an absolute goal of the season. But, Andrew, all this talk about feeding Haaland, I suppose the game against Leipzig made that redundant in a way because... You don't need you, you do need to feed him on one hand. If City gonna score goals, he needs to sort of have the service. But at the same time, just having him there, especially in Champions League matches, I've made the point before, City could have not played Haaland up until this point and, and brought wheeled him out for the Champions League knockouts and sort of what went before might have been the same, it might not have done, but his his presence is for these moments. And just that that just instinctiveness, it's it's on another scale. We've had Aguero, he's the club's leading all-time goal scorer, but even still in the box, he, Haaland's on another level. And I don't care, I, that, that may seem controversial, I don't know, but it, it genuinely feels like when this man is in the 18-yard box, it is game over. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I don't think it's insane to say he's on another level, considering that uh, after tonight, he's tied for 23rd all-time in the Champions League in terms of goals <laughs> with 33 and 25 and the names of the people in front of him are guys like Gerd Mueller, uh, Puskas, Cavani, mm. Mbappe, Aguero, Del Piero, Neymar, Drogba, Salah, Ibrahimov. Like, it's all of these people we've seen score great goals that we know can decide matches. But he's doing it at a rate and a level that's insane. He's scoring 1.32 goals per Champions League match at the rate that he currently is. Mm. The next closest person um, is Lewandowski at 0.82. <laughs> like he's basically half a goal a game better than the best striker we've seen for the past mm. decade right like mm. he he is on another level and you're right it's his presence and his instincts i mean you think about the several of his goals they came because he didn't quit and he was in the right position and he was ready to just immediately do what was necessary whether it's um you know ds's goal that you know the keeper, I mean, fair credit to the keeper because that was a great save. But Holland mm. just crashed to the back post. And as it gets cleared, they just clear it right under Holland's foot. And then he buries it. Um, he's mm. also, you know, he didn't score on a couple of these. But there were moments where his presence and ability and speed just tore their back line to shreds. And so you're right that we could have wheeled him out just for this. But it absolutely is something that city have not had despite having had someone like Sergio Aguero, who's the game's greatest kind of up top. Like this is just a different level of threat and ability. And he even said post-match, <clears throat> I mean, obviously not everyone will been able to see this maybe from a geo blocking, but on the CBS post-match um, Thierry Henry, uh, Carragher and, and Micah Richards were interviewing him. And he basically said, you know, I, I should have had two more goals in the first half and probably another in the second half. And, it wasn't uh, to be arrogant. He was truly just analyzing every single part of the match. And it seems like, and this goes across to me, any professional sport, the best athletes, the most successful athletes, one, aren't satisfied with, with anything really. And two, they're able to, you know, LeBron James, for example, does this in the NBA all the time. Some people give him flack for it, but he'll be able to recall something that happened in 
the night before game, the week before, a year before, just these little details that stand out. And Holland was saying that post-match. And, and Thierry Henry actually complimented him for it, basically saying, I should have had two goals in the first half. I had that that through ball over the top. I, I, I should have put that away. And it's, mm. it's that desire to just get more out of his his individual performances that is so you know refreshing for a player of his caliber. And and on that, to further that point, not only was he saying the the points in where he should have scored the goals, but he was picking out the players who who had the shots or made the passes. You know, this man absorbs football. It may it may come across and, and I can understand if you're a casual watcher you're looking at the goals early in Haaland scores and you go in, I could do that. Well, I mean, you couldn't for starters. I don't know if anyone <laughs> listening is thinking that, but if you do, you need to sort of seek psychiatric help because you're delusional. But I get why people would look at just scoring quote unquote tappings. But if it was that easy, Neil Mopai would have been scoring 40 goals a season. Danny Welbeck would have been scoring for, I don't know why I'm picking on Brighton or Brighton or ex Brighton <laughs> players, but you know, you get the point. Any striker would have been scoring at this rate. And that's what's most impressive. He isn't scoring, as you say, Joe, the wonder goals. He isn't doing the Olivier Giroud overhead scorpion kicks every single week. He's scoring pretty simple headers, pretty simple tappings, a couple of penalties here and there. But it's the rate, it's the appetite to keep going and keep wanting to get better because he's right, he could have scored. And, and if we're being critical, to be honest, he probably should have scored those chances. Yeah, it, he is absolutely a freak of nature. Um, I can't think of anyone in the Premier League or even the history of European football that it's such a physical mismatch. Mm. There are people like in the NFL, you know, American football, there have been players who the size that Holland is combined with his skills and body control and speed, those players have existed, but they, even then they are few and far between. It's just a different level. But to your point of being hard to analyze, I think something that's interesting to think through that I went and looked at as soon as the results from the match were in. So, City created four expected 4.06 expected goals. They had 10 big chances. We missed five of them. Seven goals. The Liverpool United match, the most recent, you know, seven nil. Liverpool only created 2.78 expected goals. They had six big chances and they missed two of them. So four of their goals came off big chances. So about half. We had about, you know, five come off of ours. But the difference is, is that... City actually deserved to be up by probably more than 7-0, whereas <laughs> Liverpool were probably a little lucky to have as many shots as they did go in. Now, some of that's game state where they're playing so well, they're up, they're feeling good. The goals are more probably a little more likely to go in. United aren't playing well. You know, as the match goes on, RB Leipzig probably aren't like super stoked to be on the pitch, I have to imagine, uh, by the time it's, you know, 5-0. But it's just... I don't know that we've ever seen a city team that was that clinical and dominant in terms of its offensive output. We've seen city mm. teams that played teams off the park, but it was more through flowing football. This was just cutthroat efficiency and just we I I thought that City were gonna struggle in this match because of the lineup and you know mm. I'll hold my hand up and say Pep you got me um I doubted <laughs> you for the first time ever and uh this is the time you scored seven goals so what do I know but yeah it just I mean I I'm still failing to comprehend just mm. how clinically efficient this result felt 
in part two, we're gonna we're gonna look at the other parts, the other ten players or so, and including substitutes and the performance itself. I just want to wrap on Harlem before we get to that point, and and you can take this one, Joe. But I, I was speaking to uh, Lars Sivertson, who is a fantastic journalist, fantastic broadcaster, podcaster, etc. But he's also Norwegian, and he he was at the match. Uh, he sent me a message pre-game saying, "Oh, I've come to come to your gaff. I think it was to, to have a look at Harland and and sort of I was saying similar to Andrew's point that I think it could be a little bit of banana skin I think City could struggle obviously it didn't happen and 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 after the game I, I was sort of probing him a little bit and I was saying like what would Haaland have to do from this point on to become the best ever Norwegian footballer of all time bearing in mind you know they've had teams that have gone to the World Cup in 94 they've had Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who scored the winning goal in the Champions League final they've had John Arnaris who scored a, a, a Champions uh, sorry who's won the Champions League as well and played a, a couple of big teams his his response was was pretty steadfast and he said I think he already is this fella's 22 years old and you've got journalists who have followed Norwegian football for years saying he's the best ever best ever that country has produced bearing in mind as well down the down the sort of the motorway four hours down the motorway you've got Erdegaard who's doing some fantastic stuff at Arsenal as well who could probably slot in as the second best hard question to answer Joe but what 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 does he have to continue doing because I suppose maybe scoring at this rate isn't sustainable maybe there will be a drop-off but his career tells us that that hasn't been he's going to break football if he continues scoring like this isn't he yeah, and I remember when City were first looking at him, um, Andrew and I were podcasting on on a different podcast at that point, and we were kind of diving into the expected goals numbers and how much Holland was, you know, it, it just wasn't sustainable on paper. And for most people, that holds true. For example, I remember Andrew always said that about Flahovic, um, mm. you know, when he moved to Juventus, he goes, he's going to be a good striker, but I don't think his numbers are sustainable. And that, for the most part, is held true. The numbers usually hold up, but... Holland, nothing about Holland is, is usual or normal or um, human for that matter. So, <laughs> I mean, if you ask me what, what can he improve on? And he, again, going back to that post-match interview with CBS, he talked about it. He goes, I, I, I can improve everything. I, I need to improve on everything. And that probably sounds ridiculous. But today, for an example, I thought this was the most involved he's been in the buildup mm. and in and getting service since he joined City. And again... This is, like you said, a guy who's 22 years old, who's getting into a team that most players need a full season. And, oh, yeah, he's already at 30-plus goals. So I, I do think he can improve pretty much every facet of his game. It's just a matter of to what degree. How, how much room is there for growth when you're already at such a high level at 22 years old? Yeah, uh, just to, to wrap it up, finally, he had eight shots, and 100% of those were on target. And, you know... <laughs> I've, it's fright. The, the only way I can describe it properly is, you know, when someone sort of says, oh, it cost a million pounds or, or a number that our brains cannot quantify because it's so much. That's, that's I guess, where we're at with Haaland, like 38 goals, 39 goals, whatever it is in mid-March. It's just, it, it, it's beyond the realms of human sort of quantifiable nature at this point mm-hmm. and here's hoping that it continues uh, that'll do for part one we'll be back in a moment to speak about some other Manchester City players 
Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. A little bit, little bit of admin as usual. Hit follow, hit subscribe if you haven't already. Plenty of episodes for you to go back and listen to already. Um, Andrew, it says a lot about this performance when there is a genuine debate at full time about who Man of the Match should go to. I think in that conversation, <clears throat> Bernardo Silva... John Stones, um, Kevin De Bruyne. It was probably, I think everybody's in agreement in saying City's most complete performance of the season so far. Absolutely, which, as I alluded to earlier, is a little bit surprising because I had no confidence in... <laughs> Sorry, our you had no confidence. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I saw that lineup come out. I put... I put money on RB Leipzig to just straight up advance. I put a uh, two-leg parlay of Leipzig to advance, Liverpool to advance, because I saw this lineup come out and I was like, Pep, what are you doing? We're going we're going full defensive control turtling at the Etihad. Like, what's going <laughs> on? And then, you know, turns out um, I'm an idiot. Pep Guardiola uh, does, in fact, know what he's talking about. And I'm just going to stop doubting him and I'm going to, I mean, actually, maybe I should doubt him more because when I predict 7-0 wins, we uh, lose them. And when I predict <laughs> we're going to lose, uh, we, we win 7-0. So, you know, universe explained that to me. But it, absolutely a complete performance. I, I do think it's hard to call out a man of the match, um, partially because, one, I think if you scored as many goals as Erling Holland did, you probably do deserve to be man of the match. Um, but, I mean, Stone's playing the position that he was. Uh, Bernardo, so, I mean... That right side was phenomenal. I think the only thing I enjoyed more was uh, the left side. Once we took all the main guys off, put the subs on, and suddenly we had like five left footers all just cooking over there on the left side, making uh, Leipzig uh, really, really hate themselves. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really a hard, hard thing to say where like, oh, who was the best performer? Because truly everyone played their part. Uh, Akanji, um, not to steal the stat from Joe, as he's the one who pointed them out, to me earlier, but Kanji had two assists. Like he played great. You know, it everyone contributed to this performance. Maybe you could criticize uh, Ederson being a little bit cray cray um, at one point, but other than that, like uh, hats off to all of them. Let them they they get the day off tomorrow. Let them soak it up and enjoy it. Mm, yeah, certainly. I I was so besotted at this point with John Stone's performance when he plays like that, Joe and. Um... I don't know if this is the end of my career and at this point everybody stops taking notice of me, but I said for a couple of weeks and a couple of months now, uh, I think John Stones is the best central defender and obviously he wasn't playing in that traditional position against Leipzig, but you know, even the best defender City have ever had. And, I, and I'll caveat that obviously by saying Vincent Company is one of the, the I've never met Vincent Company, but I hold him in the same esteem as I do close family members. And that sounds ridiculous, sort of like a rational point of view, but genuinely that man, both on and off the field, is is somebody that is so close to my heart. But if we're looking at it from a general footballing point of view, John Stones possibly the best the Premier League's ever produced, maybe alongside Virgil van Dijk certainly for me, the best central defender England's ever produced. And possibly if he wasn't at City, he may have been getting getting more credit. And I don't mean that in a sort of tinfoil heart City of the victims point of view. I mean it in the sense that City have fantastic players in every position, sometimes in, in sort of more players in one position and, and, you know, they don't necessarily get the right credit. But 
John Stones, when he's playing like that, he's just formidable. I think it's a uh, it's a great match to talk very highly of John Stones because I'm going to read you some stats, Amos, and you're going to notice a trend here, okay? Accurate mm-hmm. passes, 29 to 29, that's 100%. Successful dribbles, 100%. Accurate crosses, 100%. Accurate long balls, 100%. Ground duels won, 100%. He did not put a single foot wrong as a center back who was playing right back, inverted into defensive midfield and a Champions League knockout with everything on the line. He is City's, he's probably City's best ever all around defender. Mm -hmm. Whether you could argue if he's their best true defender ever, I think you probably have to give that title to Vincent Company. But, you know, Stone's playing at this, at this level. I would assume health aside could could service city another three, four, five years at a top level. Um, you know, the big thing that's really just gone against him has been injuries that seem to kind of wipe out the end of his seasons where you really get into crunch time. But whenever you need someone to step up, whether it be right back, defensive midfield, center back in a back four, center back in a back three, um, Christ, he'll probably play up front at some point before his career is over. I mean, there's nothing he can't do, and I think City are beyond lucky to have him. And a lot of credit really does have to go to him for the way that he's come back through some off-the-field issues, um, obviously some injuries and everything. He's just really dug in, and, and you know we see the results now, which are, as of tonight, perfect. Mm, yeah, I mean, I when when I say defender, I'll clarify. I don't mean in the sort of the the definition of the word defender I mean position like playing in that position and obviously it's, it's a it's a toss-up between Vincent Company and John Stones I just think what what John Stones does is something that it, it it's if you were to go to a lab if we're speaking about sort of Harlan being a robot and a machine and, and some sort of cyborg if you're going to go to a lab or if you're going to go on FIFA and design what you want a central defender to do in the modern game it's absolutely everything John Stones does and you know, you could make the case that he's not as good as a defender, uh, sort of making blocks, tackles, etc., as Vincent Company. But I mean, who is? He's still not. He's still not bad at it. How many times has he made these sort of last ditch tackles and last ditch blocks? Obviously, he didn't need to do so against Leipzig because they were pretty poor. And and I suppose bringing the rational side back to things, Andrew, do we have to be careful at this? I know. I know. Harland in in one of his post match interviews said that. City wanted to make a statement win. And, and I suppose the manager probably did it as, as well. We've seen in the past when it gets to three or four goals, City take the foot off the gas. It slows down a lot. City's kept going for goals and obviously up until the final minute with that De Bruyne strike. But uh, have we got to be careful in the sense that a little bit like United were at Anfield, and I'm not saying for a second United are a world-beating team. They've obviously improved a lot, but sometimes these teams have bad days. And when you're conceding three goals in the first half or four goals, whatever it was, you do sort of... That happens, doesn't it? Teams can collapse. Do we have to just sort of go, OK, that was good, but it's only one game. We have to make sure this is a continuation and it doesn't go back to how it was in maybe the last two months. So <clears throat> I think there's absolutely a level of... This is only one game, mm-hmm. but it is not the same thing as saying this is only one game like what happened to United or this is only one game like what happened to Liverpool in the first leg against Real Madrid where there are reasons why the scoreline may benefit one side or the other or that one team maybe is not as good because 
as the scoreline says, because actually their team is bad. Um, you know, United did not play particularly well, but Liverpool got very lucky in that match. Real Madrid definitely had some weaknesses, but Liverpool were very much there for the taking. So, you know, those results to me, like you look at those two and you say, okay, Liverpool winning 7-0 maybe isn't that insane. The thing about this match is City were well worth seven goals in a Champions League knockout match. Like it wasn't freak result. It wasn't crazy low XG chances. We missed five big chances. Like that's, this is, was a dominant performance that I think demonstrates what this side can do. And it wasn't against some no-nothing team. Leipzig are the, I mean, I don't know when 538 updated their uh, club ranking, but they were the 11th. They are at the time that I opened this page, the 11th ranked team in the world. Now they mm-hmm. dropped two positions from the previous week. So they were ninth previously. They are a very good capable side. We saw that we went away to them. We didn't take advantage of a bad team. We absolutely dominated in a way that I think surprised some of us. I think most of us actually, because this was not mm-hmm. a lineup that we necessarily saw playing this type of football. We thought this mm-hmm. was going to be a slog and it turned out to just be a absolute curb stomp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Curb stomp. That does a lot of uh, visualization, doesn't it? Um, you, you bang on. I mean, I'm just looking at the Bundesliga table now. Uh, by Munich, who are leading the way, they've conceded 25 goals. Uh, Union Berlin have conceded 28. After that, RB Leipzig with 29. They've got the third best defensive record in the Bundesliga. I- I've said it on both preview shows on this podcast um, that RB Leipzig are a fantastic football club. They've done some fantastic stuff this season. And you, you-, you spot on, City absolutely obliterated them, which we've been calling out for it, haven't we, Joe? And, and I suppose we'll sort of start to wind things up a little bit and and we're going to go off and and have some sleep and probably start dreaming about Haaland again but we've (laughs) been calling out for a performance like this and I think the manager's comments at full time suggested the same I know I mentioned Haaland's comments at full time suggested the same as well given a bit of sort of a bit of perspective to things City are now in the quarterfinal of the Champions League again City is second in the Premier League in a title race again albeit the asterisk is that it's not the same title races as has been in previous years. Arsenal do some fantastic stuff. City have been below the pace a little bit. City have got a quarterfinal in the FA Cup again. This is a transition for a season for City. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, it could quite easily be City's most successful season in history. And I just feel like this was a moment, this was a game where the players sort of looked at it, maybe those first two goals going to go, you know what, we can blitz this team, we can we can, we can, can make the statement we've been looking to, and boy, did they. Yeah, it's it's one of those, and again, I, I don't know how many times I'm going to reference this post-match presser, but, you know, they asked Holland directly, you know, were you brought in for the Champions League? And he, he kind of paused and was like, you know, you guys could really make a headline with this answer. And, you know, Micah and, and, and Carragher are kind of egging him on or whatever. But he basically said, you know, they don't, City don't need to bring me in for the Premier League. They've won four out of the last five Premier Leagues. But I would like to come in to help this club win the Champions League to continue to grow. And I, I just feel like he's that extra piece. I know you're talking kind of big picture and the fact mm. that City are still in multiple competitions. But even if it is a transitional season, you know, quote unquote, if this is what we're looking like in March, still in three competitions, it feels like City are, are kind of doing this slow climb upwards 
that my hope is will land them with silverware come the end of the season, but also it'll carry into next season because I think, well, we'll still see probably some turnover this summer. It feels like the core of what Pep's trying to build in this next phase is is only getting better and, and the, the players are only starting to understand it more because I think what we have to remember is there's been a lot of formation change, a lot of personnel change throughout the season, let alone in, in the transfer window last summer. So I think all things said, and I know obviously nothing's been decided yet, I'm actually satisfied with where City are at, all things considered, at this point in the season. Like you said, they can still, in theory, get a treble. Uh, I don't think anyone can rule that out. Um, and and for me, you know, going into the quarterfinals, I believe it's City's sixth season in a row making the Champions League quarterfinal. Uh, you know, for all the flack they get in the competition, that is, you know, that's not an easy feat to, to do. So I think they're continuing to head in the right direction. My hope is that, you know, they, they kind of keep this good form going in the, in the FA Cup before the uh, the international break. And then we'll see where they pick up after that. I, I do think, too, one thing I noticed today was that I don't know that we've seen the whole squad celebrate goals like they did mm. today in a long time. And it really does feel like the mood in that team has shifted because it felt like there was a period in December and January where the mood just seemed like they were just kind of grinding and trying to just get through it. And today felt fun. It felt like they were enjoying each other. I mean, Diash and Holland were both like smiling and kind of like pointing at each other when it wasn't clear, like who had actually scored it or not. And it was clear, like obviously Diash probably would love to score a goal because he doesn't score a ton, but you know, it didn't really matter because ultimately Mm -hmm. what mattered was this result. And, I, I feel like to Joe's point, this we kept asking for weeks, was this going to be the result that kicked on City season? Is this the turning point? I don't think this was the turning point, but I do think this match showed that a couple of matches ago when we started to see City's form start to turn around, that was the turning point because you don't get this result just out of nowhere. Like this mm. result, maybe you get the result out of nowhere. You don't get the performance out of nowhere. And this performance mm. was just lights out by every player and they were all in for the cause and you just you love to see it yeah yeah you certainly do and and, and i'll maintain the line of thinking obviously not to finish on a on a a damp note but i I still think the titles arsenal i just think they've got the juice this season i think they've got the vibes and that's fine you know city have won what four of the last five it might be four out of the last six it might be five out of the last six but um just them champions league games maybe maybe it's the year uh joe let's let's wrap them but um quite finally so far Inter Milan, Benfica, Chelsea, AC Milan, Manchester City, Bayern Munich. Those are six from eight as we record. Wednesday night's matches, Real Madrid versus Liverpool, Napoli versus Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, Off the bat then, best case scenario, worst case scenario. Best case scenario for me is probably Inter Milan. Mm-hmm. Um they do have a lot of talent throughout, but I think City could could ultimately get past them with, with a fair amount of ease. I think worst case scenario, normally I'd say a domestic side, which in this case, you know, Knockwood is probably only going to be Chelsea. Um, but I, I'm, I'm terrified of this Napoli side. They are Ooh. utterly fantastic. They're stacked in attack. I think they've really figured things out at the back as well. So that, that's a side I'd want to stay far away from. Yeah, yeah. I, I I just think if 
they're almost like a really, really good Tottenham team on steroids in the way they play and they'd be so horrific against City. I can just imagine the counter-attacks of Cravacelli and Ossiman and, and the midfield. They've got some fantastic players. I can just imagine the painful counter-attacks. Um, Andrew, same question. Uh, worst case scenario for me is absolutely Napoli. Um, they just strike me as the team that they're too young to know what they don't know. <laughs> and they're just like, to you, your point, like I just don't want to have to deal with them. I'd much rather face them in a neutral venue. Any of the Italian teams not named Napoli or Benfica are like preferable for this next round. I'm going to shock everyone. I'm going to, I'm not going to say best case scenario. I'm not going to say worst case scenario. Real Madrid, I want to see Erling Haaland tear the burnabout to shreds and bring it down. Uh, Andrew's been the pessimist. I've been the optimist. Things of see what Erling Haaland does to us. Um, Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Obviously, a couple more episodes to come this week, so stick around for them. But until next time, I've been joined by Andrew. I've been joined by Joe. I've been Amos myself. We'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.